Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to Podcast Monday. Today I'm going to talk about my experience with extended breastfeeding or breastfeeding a toddler and or a kid. First, I wanted to share some updates since it's been a while and probably keep this pretty short today. First news, we are indeed planning on Hawaii, which is so exciting and has a long list attached at this point to have it go smoothly, to get there in one piece with eight kids along, and to have our house cared for and our animals. At this particular moment, I'm still looking for the right person to take on that responsibility. It really will take a special person or maybe a couple, um, you know, that want to live in a house in Kentucky on a really cool property and care for a couple of dogs, a couple of cats, and some chickens. Really not that hard if you're an animal person, but it's not for everyone. So putting it out there once again, if anybody hears this and you think, oh my gosh, that's me, email me and I'll send you a jot form I set up where I'll ask you some questions and give you information and go from there. That trip is planned for the summer and we will be living on Oahu, which is so exciting because A, that's where I went last January. Oh look, it's 11, 11 a.m. That's where I visited and that's where I fell in love with uh, Hawaii. And second, and maybe I should have said this first, my daughter now lives there. So Amelia has relocated herself to Oahu as a result of our trip. She got a photography job, which actually isn't that great to be honest, but it got her there. And now she's just being an adult, trying to make her way, trying to start her own business and living near the ocean. So not too bad. And we're just so excited. We like Kentucky. We love it at moments, especially now that it's hot. Summer's coming. The summer is really great here and we're going to enjoy most of it, which is really cool. But I will not be here next winter. That's the plan anyway. I cannot do another Kentucky winter. which is weird in some moments. I never thought that would be me. I grew up on the East Coast, went to college on the East Coast, never really was bothered in those days by the lack of sun. I don't know. Did I not notice? I don't know what has shifted. It might have been the 15 years in Arizona, where literally the sun shines every day of the year with about three exceptions. So I think that's what happened. I think I just got really used to the sun and my body got used to the sun. And without going on a whole long tangent, um, my body just has not felt great the whole time we've been in Kentucky. I've had different health stuff come up and, you know, just that kind of that overall sense of depletion, which is due to other things, I'm sure, like attending births. 
Uh, but I need to remedy all of it. I am not here on this earth to not have the energy to do what I want to do. That's just not acceptable to me. And I can honor my body. I can hear my soul. Uh, it is wanting to move to somewhere where there is sun. So that is the primary reason. It is truly a quest for light. And I don't know how it will go, obviously. Um, you know, I've lived lots of places. Jason and I both have. And we're old enough to know that there's no perfect place, even though Hawaii is really beautiful. Um, you know, we're not expecting utopia in a way. We just want to change. We just want to be near the water, be near the beach, be on the beach, be with the kids and have a different experience. So it's really exciting to not know. Uh, the plan is to come back here to Kentucky, but we really don't know. We don't know where this will lead. Um, you know, I've thought, sure, we'll come back. In other moments, I've thought there's no way we're coming back. <laughs> In other moments, I've thought maybe we'll go somewhere else entirely. I really don't know. So uh, you can join me this summer just um, through podcasts and such and my magical mama circle, which I want to talk more about on my adventure, because I really do think it's an adventure. I did post on Instagram today. If you don't know, I have a magical mama account, which is more personal and about mothering. So that's uh, magical mama org on Instagram. And the website is magicalmama.org. And it's all one and the same. I am finally, my soul is finally pushing me with this break from birth, with this break from sort of normal life here in Kentucky to finally start a, a mama circle, a virtual mama circle and a membership. So what does that mean? Um, it'll be a community. I'm starting a community called Magical Mama and I will be sharing my extensive mothering experience there and creating a circle for women that don't have that experience, which is most people, I realize. Uh, so it doesn't matter to me if you have one kid or five kids, if you feel like you could benefit from being in this community, I will more than welcome you once I open the doors, so to speak, probably in July. And I'm working on all the creative parts that will be included, but essentially there will be a virtual circle once a month and lots of other ways of connecting with other moms, um, all kinds of tools and techniques that I've learned and I want to share with you around conscious mothering, around taking care of ourselves, listening to our souls. And then, of course, there's all these parenting topics of which I've done a lot already with these mothering podcasts. Uh, so today is mothering. I believe it's number 11. I never seem to know. And I love the number 11. So I hope it is. But I want to talk about extended breastfeeding. And, you know, this is just another example of the kind of stuff we're going to be able to talk about together. So a podcast is great. You get to listen to me blab. Maybe you learn something, maybe you don't. But the Magical Mama membership will be for actual interaction and as much support, you know, as I can possibly give a group of people. But also women support each other. So it's not about me providing everything. Um, it's about creating a community of women that are on the same page and maybe have this feeling just like they do about birth, perhaps have this feeling in their heart that something is not quite right with the world. <laughs> now, that's true in a million ways, right? Um, but as far as mothering goes, there's something not quite right in the world. Uh, all the things we're taught, we're told, we see modeled for ourselves, they're really not right. They're really not correct for many of us. And so 
Uh, many moms are left feeling really alone out there. And if you want to see more just about what I'll be covering, what I have to say, um, if you haven't already, like I said, visit the Instagram magicalmama.org. I've been posting every day as religiously as I can and just really following my heart, uh, not posting just to post, but things that are coming up for me, things people ask me from unschooling to, you know, does it get easier when you have a lot of kids, all kinds of things. So if you're enjoying that, you're going to love the Magical Mama membership and circle, and you can join the list to find out more at magicalmama.org. So I will be releasing the, um, you know, opportunity to join to the list first. So that would be the benefit of being on the list. And I believe if you go to magicalmama.org, there's still the opportunity to get a free postpartum transformation ebook I wrote. So same thing, enter your email there and you should get it. Okay, that's mostly the updates. I have some other stuff going on. That's a little crazy, uh, involves a stray dog. This is my life and I love it. Um, it's pretty graceful. But that's been a huge story and theme lately that perhaps I will share at some point. But if nothing else, um, I guess I could ask for prayers and love and uh, justice, so to speak, around um, a lost dog. Not um, this dog uh, actually is mine, (laughs) but um, he wasn't lost by me. So that's very cryptic. I get it. But uh, just prayers for Charlie would be so appreciated. Okay, I'm going to keep this brief today because I teach Elevate in just uh, about a half an hour for the midwives that are transforming themselves through this practice. That's been another great thing that I sort of forgot to update on. We will be launching this again and teaching it again in June. So summer solstice will start again with another group of midwives. So if that's you, make sure you get on the Elevate list. Uh, It's IndieBirth.org forward slash Elevate. Okay, finally, I really am on to the main part of this podcast. Thanks to Mabel, who asked me to cover weaning in particular. And I feel like people have asked me a lot over the years, but I don't think I included it on the breastfeeding podcast I did. So I want to talk about that. But I also, just to kind of like widen the lens a little bit, wanted to talk about extended breastfeeding or continued breastfeeding. I kind of like that better. What does that even mean? Well, uh, in this country, in the US, I think we've come a long way in a sense because back when I was a baby, uh, 45 years ago, my mom did not breastfeed me and it wasn't something that was encouraged or understood, there was no support. So in that way, I think we have come a long ways in some places. I'd say Kentucky is horrible in the hospital systems about supporting and understanding breastfeeding. And that was shocking to me. But aside from that, I do think we've come farther. And so many women can relate to this idea of continued breastfeeding, which means beyond the first year. That's what it means to me. Uh, There might be other ways of looking at it, but a newborn, of course, must have mother's milk. There is no negotiation in that with me. There's very few exceptions. I mean, there are no exceptions, actually, but there are exceptions, um, you know, in the ways that rarely a mother isn't able to do that. So there's the exception, but it's not something that um, we can excuse in a way when a baby doesn't receive mother's milk. 
hopefully directly from his mother, but even through a bottle. And that's just the way we are made. That's just our physiology. And of course, babies would die if that wasn't possible. Or, you know, uh, if we were in maybe really remote locations and we didn't have any sort of community or whatever or any store, uh, you know, a baby would not live if a mother could not feed the baby. So that's just breastfeeding. That's just the norm. That's just the physiologic norm. And uh, that extends, I would say, perhaps to the first year. It really, really depends. And in this way, of course, we're only talking about nutrition. There's a million other reasons that we breastfeed and that we continue to breastfeed. But I'm saying just completely for nutrition, it is necessary. It is a baby's entire source of food and nutrition and calories for probably the first year. Some babies, of course, will start eating food at six, eight months, whatever. And nursing is still important, of course, and they're still getting minerals and vitamins and fats and all the great stuff. Uh, but in other words, it's not do or die at that point. So uh, maybe that's the definition. I'm not sure of extended breastfeeding, you know, where it's not absolutely a nutritional need. The baby would survive otherwise, but yet we go past that. And for me, I've happily gone past that each and every time because I just have enjoyed it. And over the course of 10 children, I've seen and felt the variations in my own kids, what they need, how they need it, why they need it, the difference between girls and boys. Um, there's a million things to consider when you continue to breastfeed past whatever it is for you the first year. I, of course, did not know any of this when I started my parenting journey 20 plus years ago. And luckily, I did breastfeed Amelia. If I had been following in my mom's footsteps, and I had no support, I had no breastfeeding friends, I had nothing, um, I would have quit or I would maybe never have started. So I'm so grateful that something compelled me to exclusively, exclusively breastfeed Amelia, even though I knew nothing and was not supported. And truly, um, she made it to about a year. And I remember that she just didn't seem interested anymore. Although I really wish I could remember better. This isn't the best uh, anecdotal story to share. Because now, with nine kids after her, um, that's not been my experience at all. It has not been my experience that kids really do lose interest at a year. Maybe it was true for Amelia. She's definitely a unique person. But my sense is I just didn't know and I didn't have support. And maybe she kind of went through a period where it wasn't as interesting or something happened and we just stopped. I don't remember being really sad about it. It felt okay. And, you know, no regrets. I do remember getting pregnant shortly after. So I was into another pregnancy and then get this, Amelia only lasted a year nursing. And then her next sibling, her brother, Ian, nursed till he was four years old. Four years old. And he's an 18-year-old man now. So there's something like funny and poignant about it all to look at him now and be like, wow, like you were my most or one of my most attached babies. And I think it has shaped him. You know, there's no way of knowing, of course, they all have their own personalities. 
uh, but he's a very confident man. And I've shared this before, but he honestly was a more difficult baby. So for him, uh, mothering him was completely different than Amelia. Uh, For him, I really did use the breast as my everything. And that wasn't something I had ever needed to do with her. She was so independent. She was so um, mature in a way that the breast was just what it was for food, uh, not so much comfort. But with Egan, the second, it became everything for him. And it was completely exhausting. I remember going to my chiropractor when, I don't know how old he was, somewhere between maybe six to 12 months. And I was completely exhausted. Um, I have said, and I mean this, I have said that Egan nursed every 15 minutes for the first year of his life. And I don't think that's a huge exaggeration. If I had to go back, would I have problem solved? You know, was there something going on? Um, I don't think so. He was a chunky, healthy baby. He certainly was getting enough milk. But again, it was his emotional everything. And I was willing to give it. And, you know, I think we each as mothers make those choices for ourselves. So he just had um, less comfort in life. He was just a more restless baby. He didn't sleep great. And unless he was in my arms on my breast, it felt like he was sort of needing something. So um, that's how that happened. You know, I wore him in a carrier in a sling in my own house. He just had to be close to me. So again, it was night and day, the first two breastfeeding experiences. And I was happy to give it to him, even though I was so exhausted. And I remember the chiropractor saying, your adrenals are just shot. And I didn't even know what adrenals were, but I felt it. I felt it deeply. So, uh, you know, speaking of weaning, I got to about a year with him and he was still nursing what I felt like was every 15 minutes. And I don't remember, I don't remember, sorry, who I learned this from or who maybe gave me guidance because I don't really remember having breastfeeding friends other than, wait a minute, I think I did go to La Leche League meetings back then, which I don't even know if they exist anymore. They were super helpful though. And I remember going in Indianapolis, which is where we lived at the time. Uh, So maybe that's where I got some help. But at about a year, 13, 14, it might've been 15 months, somewhere around there, I decided I could not nurse all night anymore. I could not. Uh, The lack of sleep, the being woken up, it was absolutely killing me. And Again, wherever I got this advice, I'm not sure, but I weaned him in the nighttime. And I remember it being hard, and I can share other weaning experiences. Um, Night weaning has never been ridiculously hard. Uh, We've always had it work. We've always followed through. But that doesn't mean it doesn't come without a fair share of screaming and yelling and all kinds of stuff that maybe I don't even quite remember. But around that time, 14, 15 months, I remember telling Egan as a baby, um, we only nurse when the sun is out. So when the sun's asleep, then the milk is asleep and there is no milk. And um, I don't remember if I slept somewhere else for a few nights. That's been my tactic with some of the younger kids that I can actually remember. The tactic is to just go sleep somewhere else for a few nights 
So the milk isn't there, it's not available. The child, in my uh, experience, will probably still yell and scream. And, you know, it's really up to the partner, the husband to hold this one down. So if that's an issue for people, if they don't feel they have supportive partners, uh, I know in some families, maybe the mom and the baby sleep together and the dad is nowhere near. Well, you got to bring them back in for this is my opinion. It's impossible to night wean alone, in my opinion. Um, Maybe it's not impossible. I just haven't done it. And it sounds really difficult because you really don't have anyone else to help or to make a new routine, which is ultimately what you are trying to do here. So a couple nights of screaming, of no milk, and then as soon as the sun comes up, it's time. It's time for milk. And again, that's worked really well for us each and every time. Let me think. Rumi was obviously the last one. And I probably did that with him later just because he's kind of been the eternal baby. But you know when you know. And I guess that would be my advice as a mom if you're thinking about it. Release the guilt, you know, especially if your kid is a year or older. You've done this around the clock for a whole year. And now it's time to get your adrenals back intact, uh, get yourself to a place where you're feeling better. And just remember that if you're always exhausted, if you're up all night nursing a two or three year old, uh, you're ultimately depleting yourself to a place where you might not be the best mother for that child. So that is my encouragement. We cannot hold on to guilt around this around the clock nursing. Um, Is there a biological need? I'm sure there are parts I don't understand, but I have had to draw the line and say to myself that at a year or so, nobody is starving. This is not a matter of starving. This is a matter of habit. And and it's a very nice habit, I'm sure. Sucking on a breast, uh, having your mother close in the middle of the night, it's a great feeling. I don't doubt it. But we've never put our kids away from us. So it's not weaning and being alone or being in a crib or another room. It's weaning and still being safe and still being cuddled. And if you need water, it's right here. And in the case of my husband, who has always been so helpful with this, so get your guys on board, uh, he has to come up with a way to soothe. And you know, again, it's not fun. No one likes to hear screaming. And the next morning, everybody's grumpy. Um, But eventually, the dad in my experience, will find a way of soothing. And that is really, really important to also strengthen that bond between baby and dad. And for me, another reason I've done it is just being on call and not taking a baby to births at a year old. So if I'm not taking a baby to a birth and I'm gone all night, he's going to have to do it anyway. So he was motivated to help me so that he wasn't left alone for an entire night with a baby that wasn't weaned at a year overnight. So his method, if I can recall, maybe it's differed from kid to kid, but you know, a way of soothing, um, patting them, rubbing their back, uh, cuddling them. And I can think of Rumi being super mad. Um, He didn't like anyone to touch him at first. He was so mad that he couldn't have milk. And then eventually, after screaming for a little bit, uh, he would allow Jason to rub his back. And then he would demand it. And he still does sometimes. Um, Back, back is what he says. And, you know, whatever, whatever works. And now he's old enough, of course, to say, no way, go to sleep. No one's rubbing your back all night. Uh, But he's been night weaned for a while. 
So I hope those suggestions are helpful. Again, I really think there's a certain point at which you have to choose you and you have to stop being the martyr. Um, again, we're not talking about putting a child in another room. We're not talking about having them be scared or alone. And if you're like me, that doesn't mean weaning during the day. So during the day, it's still a free for all at about a year. And that's just is what it is. With Rumi, by the time he got to about 18 months, I did also uh, slightly wean him during the day because it was so excessive. He was a lot like Egan. And that's my boy versus girl thing. Um, although Ever, I'll, I'll interrupt myself here, Ever, who's uh, one of our girls, she actually holds the record. So I was about to say, I think boys are more attached to nursing, but Ever is a girl and she nursed till she was five. So she holds the record in our family. She's very, very proud of it. And really the only reason she probably does, despite that she's like very determined to do whatever it is, um, is because we had Sable in between her and Diva. So if you don't know, Sable is our baby that died. He was um, uh, like a, considered a late miscarriage. So the, the, what am I trying to say? The age gap, that's what I'm trying to say. The age gap between Ever and Deva is three years. And I don't have any others that are three. They're all two. So Ever kind of like got extra time as the baby and she was happy to keep nursing although i've nursed many babies through pregnancies so maybe that's not why ever is just uh really smart and very independent and i would say that unless it's a complete coincidence i would say my longest nursing babies have turned into the most secure independent people and I think that's really important to consider, not that that's 100% of the time, not that we should hold guilt, you know, I mean, I've nursed a couple of them just a year, so I don't have guilt around it. That was their choice. That was my choice. And they're all different. Um, but I think there's something about providing that attachment without restriction when they're that young. Because I remember with Egan, um, when he nursed till he was four, that he always came to nurse even when something felt weird to him. So I remember like being at playgroups or maybe the library and a couple of times feeling like people were looking at me weird for nursing a four-year-old, but he'd come when he needed that stability. So, you know, maybe a kid pushed him at the library or he fell down. He would come right to nurse and it would be 30 seconds. He'd be on, he'd be off. Uh, but it, I think, just was a really visceral reminder to him of he was safe. He is safe. And I do do think, I really do, that that translates out. The other theory is that maybe just the most determined, insistent children nurse for the longest, and then they grow up to be those kind of adults. I honestly don't know, but I've always been willing to nurse as long as the kid wanted to nurse. And I'm not saying that's not hard. I'm not saying we can't have limits. Um, again, I obviously do with night weaning, but as far as the day and as far as the extended overall period of time, I've never wanted to wean. That doesn't mean I don't support that. If someone wants advice around that, I've counseled many of my clients even around wanting to wean and I never judge that. I do share my experience, but if someone is just feeling done and they don't want to do it anymore, 
that's their right. That's their right as a mother. Um, I don't know anybody else's kids but mine, of course. Uh, For me and my kids, I never felt the energy from any of them other than Amelia, which I already shared about possibly. I've never felt the energy of them really wanting to stop. (laughs) Like, so I don't relate to that when moms are like, oh, he just like, he just gave it up. Uh, Okay, Um, that would be sad to me. And it is sad the times that nursing has ceased. And if you have not gotten to that point in your journey yet, I'll just say that you never know the last time you'll nurse. And I think that's really um, bittersweet, like with ever she was five. But you know, at five, if you don't know, it's not like even multiple times a day, we're talking maybe once a day, maybe once every other day. And then eventually, it just goes. And there's something like so sweet and sad and beautiful about that, and about not knowing and about having it just be so organic and so natural. I mean, it reminds me so much of birth, you know, like, if we're not going to push the river with when we go into labor, for example, or how fast the baby comes out. Um, This is really the same thing on the other side, right? Because we have a baby that's literally attached to us in the womb. And the attachment and the, the detachment process takes years. And I think it should take years. It absolutely should and could take years. Not that everybody wants to nurse a child till they're five, But of course, if you don't know, the World Health Organization, I believe, uh, recommends at least a couple of years, if not more. And in other countries, that is the norm. It's the norm in many places to nurse well into childhood, really. So we're the weirdos here in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, We're the weirdos that think babies need to be separate, literally immediately. So cutting the cord is hugely symbolic and can mean for many people that aren't quite conscious of all of this, that their baby is a separate being, that, you know, we need the bouncy seats, we need the swings. Um, Not that I didn't have a bouncy seat, but what I mean is all the gadgets, all the cultural ways that we want separation. Like it's this strange wound that we all have because we were probably separated from our mothers. So it's like we can't give what we don't have. Um, So I think many of us, you know, are reprogramming, we're deprogramming, we're fixing those wounds and maybe nursing our kids till they're five as a result. I think that's all I've got to say today about extended breastfeeding. Um, Overall, it's been an absolutely beautiful experience for me. I'm not just trying to tell you the good parts. I don't have a lot of unpleasant stories around nursing toddlers and children. I get that it might make other people uncomfortable but that's on them. So I feel like as long as it's feeling good for you and your child, again, it might not be all the time. It might be a once in a while thing for an older kid, because eventually, if you didn't know, they forget. Uh, Their brains actually forget how to nurse, which is such a crazy thing. So if you have a child that's weaned and you let a couple months go by just for fun, you know, you're like, hey, you want to try again or whatever? They can't. They don't remember how. And they get this silly look on their faces because it's like the instinct has actually left their body. So uh, I think that's really fascinating. And 
Everybody will do what's right for them, I hope, and not feel judged and not feel criticized, but truly tune in, tune into your own baby, your own child, and do what feels good. And make sure if you are, of course, nursing a lot or extended, you know, into many years, and then maybe you have other children like I have, um, to really take good care of yourself and to really make sure your nutrient stores and your mineral stores are as great as they can be, that you have support, that you have your own time to really feel being in your own body and that connection. All of that stuff is so important. And that allows us the quote unquote sanity to keep going with extended nursing. Um, I know a lot of moms that I think would say, oh my God, I could never do that. And that's absolutely fine. But I think the reason I've been able to is I figured out what I need to be stable and to still give that way. So in the Magical Mama Circle, these are all the kind of things we'll be talking about, all the kind of things I'll be holding space for and offering my wisdom on and creating this really magical community so we can have more of these discussions. All right, check it out, magicalmama.org. Have a great day.